The sponsor for the Shepherd's Creek Podcast for the month of November is B&H Academic. B&H Academic is dedicated to providing trustworthy theological resources to serve you as you serve the church. Visit bnhacademic.com to find resources you need to help prepare sermons, tackle tough questions, and aid you in personal spiritual life. Also, starting November 20th through the month of December, you can get 40% off on all of their books. I'll provide the link in the show notes for that. And also, we're going to be providing the link for the giveaway that they're doing with us for the month of November. You can get five great books just by going to the link on Twitter or Facebook, signing up, and sharing. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. Come alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to do another interview today, and I've got with me today Justin Buzzard out in Silicon Valley. Justin, how you doing today, man? Great. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, why don't we pray? And then I've got, I mean, you are in Silicon Valley, so I have to have some financial questions for you here in a little okay. bit as well. <laughs> but we'll talk pastoral ministry. Let's uh, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we need wisdom, direction. I thank you for uh, for a new friend, a brother, and just a man on the other side of the country that's doing work, shepherding your people and, and leading them well. And I just thank you for him. Thank you for his work. And uh, writing the books that he's written and all the help that you've been to me personally through through those efforts. And so I thank you for blessing the work of his hands. Help us in this discussion to equip as many pastors as we can and help us to point people to Jesus. We thank you for your grace and your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Justin, for those who don't don't know you, may not be all that familiar with you, would you just tell us who you are, You know where you, where you live, about your family a little bit, and then what it is that you do? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm Justin Buzzard. I'm 41 years old. Just turned 41 a couple months ago. It's kind of a weird birthday. 40 was a big deal. 41 isn't. Uh, married to my wife, Taylor, the love of my life. Uh, we've been married 16 years. We have three sons, ages 13, 11, and 9. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of Garden City Church, a church I planted eight years ago. And yeah, I live here in the Bay Area, Northern California, Silicon Valley. It's an amazing place to live, uh, a crazy place to live, fast-paced place to live, expensive place to live, but amazing and beautiful, special, uh, very stimulating, very diverse, uh, very exciting place to be. And yeah, this is great to be talking to pastors. I love pastors. Uh, most of my best friends are pastors um, and a lot of church planters. And so I just feel like I understand pastors' lives and love hanging with pastors. Very cool. Very cool. You have three sons. We have two, a five-year-old and a one-year-old. And we're having a lot of fun with them right now. So it's pretty cool. I follow you on Instagram and stuff and see your family. It looks like you guys have a pretty good time. We we like to we like to keep it fun, uh, yeah. That's a that's a big theme. We, we like to have as much fun as we can. Awesome. All right, let's back it up a little bit and let's just get to the question: When were you converted? When did when did Christ save you? We love to love to hear that. 
Yeah. So I grew up in a home with a Christian mom, uh, amazing woman of God, and uh, a dad who wasn't quite walking with the Lord. Uh, and so the single biggest impact, uh, influence on my life, uh, biggest discipler in my life is my mom. And when I, I traced my conversion to a pretty young age, when I was five, my mom went and took me to see the movie Star Wars. And uh, on the way home from the movie, I think it was Empire Strikes Back, and we were driving back, and this is what I remember clear as day. I was asking my mom what happens to people when they die, and I was just kind of a five-year-old kid reflecting on this movie, going, do people just lay there? What happens? What goes on? And my mom pulled off on the side of this busy road and shared the gospel with me. And I'm sure she had shared the gospel with me before, but there's something about that moment where I think she just sensed the Spirit was working on me. And... Uh, that's where I think Jesus got a hold of my life. Uh, mm. I prayed with her, repented of my sin, placed my faith in Jesus. And just from as far back as I can remember, since boyhood, uh, there has been a, I've had a relationship uh, with God and mm. uh, a desire to, you know, know him. Um, so I'd say my conversion happened when I was a, a young boy. That's wonderful. That's the first conversion story I've ever heard that's connected to Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's probably more out there, but yeah. That's, oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. Okay, then we'll have to fast forward a few years. Then tell us about your internal call into ministry when the, the burden was placed upon you by the Lord, and then that external process to getting there. Tell us what that was like. Okay, well, so I went into college. I, I went into college with three different ideas of what I sensed I maybe wanted to do with my life or where where I would uh, be useful. Uh, one was to be a high school history or English teacher and a football coach. Uh, another idea was to start my own adventure travel company business. Uh, and the other was to pastor. And I was, I think, pretty e equally kind of attached to all three of those ideas. Um, but in college, I started out in, uh, in Spokane, Washington, going to Whitworth University and playing football up there. I uh, had a great time up there, but I uh, could not stand the cold and missed California like crazy. <laughs> Transferred uh, to go to college back in California. And during those years in Santa Barbara, I got involved with a really great church. And that's where my call to being a pastor really began to take off okay. and, sharp and sharpen. Uh, as I said, I grew up uh, as a Christian from a young age, but didn't understand the local church and didn't love it. You know, I had a good experience there, but right. un understood it mainly as just, hey, you kind of go to this service on a Sunday and that's kind of all I was really getting but I got involved in this great church in college and that's where I began to love the local church I saw what the local church was I, I heard great expository preaching for the first time I experienced a church with this community of people a diverse community of people and diverse maturity levels uh, loving each other and um, helping each other you know grow in the, in the Lord and love their city and serve their city and I uh, pursued the lead pastor there and, and was mentored by him, a great man, Reed wow. Jolly. We're still great friends and uh, talk all the time. And he just mentored me and, and discipled me. And I, I looked at his life and thought, oh, a lot of what he's about and what he does, that, you know, that's what I want to do. And I think that, uh, man, it looks scary and intimidating, but I also think I'm, I'm going to be called to this and, and wired and for this. Um, and so then that process had just kind of sharpened as I continued in college. Mm -hmm. uh, I was serving in the church, serving in the youth ministry, leading a small group, 
Bible study for a group of uh, boys in the, in the youth group, and I was kind of figuring out how to preach, preaching at a local homeless shelter and taking advantage of any opportunity I kind of had to, to speak, uh, to preach, mm-hmm. um, asking all the questions I could ask, and yeah, so it kind of, kind of grew from there, and um, then when I graduated college, I, uh, I took a job as a waiter for a year and a half okay. in, in Santa Barbara, uh, I was kind of waiting for an opportunity to continue to, hey, you got some of your kids there, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And so I'm going to try to edit that out, but we've got a like one room over from my office. We have a my one-year-old that's crying out that's for real, That's real life, man. <laughs> my that's wife. Good. It is. It's real life. So, man, if you can deal with it, I'm, I can deal with it. I, I can deal with it. That's, okay, I, go I, for I, it. My kids are all at school, but otherwise it would sound <laughs> utter chaos in this okay. house. Uh, it is so loud with boys in this house and wrestling. Yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm, I'm so, a few years out from that that wrestling and you know body slamming people into the couch kind of thing. I'm there with my five year old, but not yet with the one year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably shouldn't do that with a one year old. Probably not. Um, so, what was I saying? Okay, yeah. College worked as a waiter after college and was looking for the right opportunity. I thought, okay, I think God's calling me to be a pastor, but like how and where and. I think I'm supposed to go to seminary and I don't have any money and how's that all going to work? And, uh, you know, was continuing to serve at my church. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then this, long story short, opportunity came my way to move to the Bay Area, which, um, you know, Bay Area of California, you know, San Jose, San Francisco, Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley, Oakland, all that that region. Um, And so I moved here, which was closer to where I grew up, um, two hours away from Sacramento, where I I grew up. I'm a fifth generation Northern Californian, so kind of all my life. And so I moved here and t- took a job as a youth pastor and uh, started at seminary uh, up here. And that was back in 2000 and January 1st, 2002. That's when I okay. moved up here. So that was about 17 years ago. Gotcha. And then, so you said you're eight years into this church plant, Garden City Church. Uh, yeah. t- tell us a little bit about the plant and then how things have been going the last eight years. Kind of give us the, the cliff note version of, of how things are going with your church plant. Yeah, well, I was working as a youth pastor with the game plan of I enjoy this, I love this, but uh, I think eventually the call will be towards you know being a lead pastor down the road. And uh, when I was in my mid late twenties, I read some articles on church planting, and that was the first time I ever thought about church planting. And which is I don't know, just na- naive or, or odd of me. I never really thought about how churches got started. I just okay. sort of, I mean they were always there. I'd never been around church planting. And when I read these articles, particularly one by Tim Keller, I thought, oh, I think that I think that might be what God wants to do with me down the road. Not mm-hmm. now, but down the road. I think that might really line up with my passions and convictions and gifting and all that. So anyways, I was a youth pastor for four and a half years, then served as basically what you call an associate pastor okay. in a great church here in the Bay Area, Central Peninsula Church, for four and a half years. Uh, and then, and then planted um, Garden City, which has been such an adventure with amazing highs and painful lows, and lots of fun and many stories and a big God uh, who's been showing up with His power and, and His grace. So yeah, we started the church. Um, you know, we started it in a way that I would not encourage anyone else to start a church, but because of what God was doing with our life, it's. Uh, just what he wanted to do, and it was good because it, it forced incredible uh, dependency upon him. We um, we started it with just three people and okay. three thousand bucks, and this dream of reaching Silicon Valley with the with the gospel. And uh, yeah, that was eight eight years ago, and 
God showed up and brought people and saved people and made disciples and leaders and um, has has grown has grown this thing and uh, it's it's really just great where we're at now. I love our and love our elder team and our staff team and um, bringing a new elder into eldership uh, this weekend, which is awesome. a new guy into eldership this weekend, which is great. Um, got some exciting plans for the future of our church and for church planting that uh, I won't share now because we haven't told our church about all of it yet, but that's right. coming up. And, um, so yeah, church planting is cra- It's totally crazy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, some days I feel like I totally know what I'm doing. Most days I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Exactly. Uh, right. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's an adventure. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. I hear you, man. This is our third church plant that we've been a part of, and hopefully the last one. We 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 planted about four years ago, and it's been wonderful, having a good time. And uh, I know that in the planting process and pastoring and loving on people, marriage, and we'll get to some questions about pastors and struggling with marriage here in a little bit, but I want to talk about your book, Date Your Wife, for a minute. You wrote yeah. the book, Date Your Wife. I've given it in counseling situations several times over to people and encouraged right. men in particular to read the book. It's been so helpful. Um, but but why is it, you know, you write, you write this book and it's been handed out, and I saw, I think maybe you tweeted out or said something about how years down the road this the book is still selling well, and I think it sells well because it's a it's just so hopeful. But why is yeah. it there are so many pastors that really struggle and, quite frankly, have terrible marriages? Why is that the case? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a mix. There, I, I know a lot of pastors that have awesome marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise, praise God for that. But yeah, there are um, a lot of pastors uh, where their marriage is, is a huge mess, and there's different reasons for that. Um, one, the the reason that I think might be the most common and the reason that concerns me the most are um, pastors who kind of make their main priority or their main marriage be to the church rather than to their wife. Right. Uh, and so that's a major problem. A, a guy um, thinking that, uh, okay, well, I've got, I've kind of won my spouse, you know, the, the dating's over, we're married, we're good, so let me focus on building my career and on the church and put my best energies there. And then the marriage really suffers, and that's a complete and total miss that, you know, your main ministry and your main impact is going to be your marriage. And uh, in many ways, folks in the church are going to, decades down the road, completely forget about, uh, I don't know, your, so much about your your sermons and your leadership mm-hmm. and this and that, but they would they will remember who you are as a man, your yeah. your presence, uh, your character, your your quality, uh, joy, health of of your marriage uh, and your family. That that's making such a massive impact. So I think it's it's often an issue of um, priority. Yeah, that's uh, good. That messes that up. That's good. All right, huge curveball. Is it really <laughs> always the man's fault? <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. So I argue, I argue, yeah. So there's some, there's some strong, um, some strong words in that book where, kind of from look, looking at especially the theology in Genesis um, and, and and a theology of headship throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, saying, "Hey, uh, you as a man, the the problems in your marriage are." Are, are on you and your fault. And so, no, to, to nuance that, no, it's not always um, 
the man's main the man is not always the one who's to to blame for everything but it is a book written to men now yeah, and I, it's good. I and so many women have read the book wives have read the book and it's been really helpful to women as well and i encourage women to read the book especially to understand men a bit better mm-hmm. but it's a book written to men and therefore i'm wanting to help men take uh, greater ownership for the health of, yeah. of their marriage um and, and wanting to do you know kind of jesus look at the the log in your own eye yeah for, uh before before the spec so i just think if we had a if we had men across the world taking greater ownership um for the overall health uh, of their marriage and at first looking at like man where have where have i sinned where where am i falling short where have i screwed up where, where do i have an opportunity to better uh lead better love my wife better um you know, better bring flourishing to this marriage, that that would be awesome. Yeah. Even if there are some significant areas where, where the wife is uh, is a mess. So That's good. I like, I like the nuance that you bring to that. I really appreciated that in the book to get men thinking through headship and responsibility and the fact that we are one flesh with our wives. And in other words, our wives' issues are not just their issues, they're our own issues. She's my yeah. own flesh. And so taking responsibility in the context of, of, of a covenantal marriage, I yeah. really appreciated that. I thought it was so, so helpful. No, uh, thanks. So for those that haven't read the book, and you know some guys that are maybe even coasting in marriage and they don't even realize it, and they've had the conversation with their wives, and she's saying, honey, why don't you take me out on a date? And the guy's thinking, well, we watched you know Amazon Prime last night, and Man in the High right. Castle's on, honey. We watched that. And... Uh, what are some practical things that men can do to date their wife instead of just kind of coasting? Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to depend. The practical things, what those exactly look like, will depend on every marriage. Every marriage is different. Every husband, every wife is different. Um, but a, a lot of what I'm, after kind of building the theological foundation, a lot of what I do in the book is give a lot of practical stuff. And it's really starting to leading the man through a process of beginning to get a fresh dream, a fresh vision for his marriage, uh, whether the guy's been married two years or 15 or 30 years, 40 years, um, beginning to dream again of hey, what's the vision God's got put in mm. our heart for this marriage. And, and once you get freshly clear on that dream, putting together a plan, uh, a strategy for taking good care of your wife, dating your wife. You know, when, when I say date your wife, that's, um, that's not, you know, a, merely like a date night. It's a, it's a whole metaphor idea, concept of, just taking great care of your wife and loving her, loving her well. So getting clear on the dream, the vision, and then a strategy, a plan, an air war, a grand war, a plan for the year, for the month, for the week, for the day, for how to take good care, good yeah. care of your wife. And that's going to look different in every season and different in every marriage. The way I date my wife looks really different now than I did when we were first starting the church and mm-hmm. our boys were four, two, and zero. And um, it, it, it looks different in different seasons. So... Um, and how I talk to guys about it yeah. is very different depending on who they are and what they're going through. That's good. And, and I love just intentional. To... Maybe if I could just give a word to it, yeah. intentional is a, is, is a word. Um, maybe the big word I'd give a guy being okay. intentional about it. Cause you know, for speaking direct, you know, exclusively to pastors here, I mean, pastors are incredibly intentional about their church. Yeah. There you, you go. Know, yep. Mapped out the sermon series. You, you, you know what you're doing with your elders, with your teens, with your leaders, your staff, um, your intentional there. So take that same intentionality, that vision, intentionality, the planning, the strategizing, um, and, and just apply that, apply that to your marriage. That's good stuff, man. So helpful. 
So helpful. Let's make a little bit of gear change. So let's talk finances for a second. And sure. we have millennial, a lot of millennial pastors now, you know, guys in there. And some millennials are, you know, I'm kind of the older end of that. I'm 36. And so I'm kind of inching to that. You know, you got me by a few years. What, when did you graduate, Judd? High school, 97, 96? High school was 96, college 2000. Okay. Yeah, you got me by a few years. So you're kind of the, uh, I guess you would be the oldest or the youngest of the uh, the Gen Xers. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, probably. Right. In there yeah. somewhere. So thinking 30 years down the road for a lot of millennial pastors, what are the consequences for guys that are around our age down into their 20s? What are the consequences for the church and for individual pastors 30 years down the road if they do not plan financially for retirement? Oh, gosh. Uh depression, sadness, tears, pain, uh, awful. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, there's a lot of consequences to that. I mean, um, sometimes what I, what I can see a lot of times in pastors is a, I think a naive way of thinking of, Hey, I shouldn't think about money. Hmm. Uh, shouldn't think about financial planning. I shouldn't think about saving and investing because hey, I'm doing the Lord's work and the Lord will just take care of me. Mm-hmm. And of course, God will, God takes care of us, but part of how he takes care of us is us being um, thoughtful and wise mm-hmm. uh, about all areas of life, and a big a big component of that is um, money, is, is finance. So yeah, if guys right now are not thinking down the line about financial planning, some financial goals, um, retirement, things like that, they're going to be in for um, some pain. They're going to mm-hmm. be in for some pain when they reach a certain age and realize, man, I can't afford this. I can't handle this. Or how would I ever retire? I mean, I, I know pastors that are in their um, 60s, 70s who cannot retire yep. because they didn't make choices in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, they didn't make wise choices financially and they didn't think about that future. Yeah. Uh, and so they're um, in a spot where really they'd like to be slowing down in some of their work um, and not working full time as a pastor, and they just they can't. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be be guys listen to this. Yeah, be be thinking hard now. Be making choices now. Invest now. Yeah, that's good. One of the things I tell guys is to buy a house before they're thirty five. And the things that I'm I'm starting to see with with finance, just the differences in finances from coast to coast to the Midwest. We live in the Midwest where you can buy a home that you can live in, in our area, you can spend $75,000 and buy a home that you can move in today. That's you know? crazy. Yeah, crazy. crazy. Uh, we, we built our house for $160,000. Oh and, and so I encourage guys to buy a house before they're 35 so they can build equity and they can you know own a home, have a home paid off by the time they're at retirement age and they're not dependent upon that salary to pay for their home. Right. And that's something that, can be done in the Midwest, but it sounds like out there you, you can't go in Silicon Valley and buy a house for seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's not even close to a down payment out here. No, not at all. no it's uh, no. I mean, it's every every city, every region is is really different. I think that is good counsel, good advice where that can be done, where that can where people can afford that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the vast majority of my church rents. Uh, we rented up until up until this year. Uh, we were able, uh, by the grace of God and some help, to buy uh, which is in this this past January, which is incredible awesome. and, a total, and a total game changer for us. But you know, here in Silicon Valley, the median price median price for a home is one point two million dollars. Oh my goodness! 
So that's that's the meeting. So I mean, depending on the survey going out at the time, we are in the we're always in the top three most expensive places to live in the country. So it's it's just a different it's a different game out here. So mm-hmm. you know, a down payment is a, a lot of money. That what it takes to get there to save for that is a, is a lot of money. So I think it depends on the area. But yes, that's good advice. If someone can buy, uh, do it. Uh, regardless, buying or not buying, um, pastors should be investing. They mm-hmm. should be um, putting away money for retirement, investing that money. Uh, guys should be not just saving money, but investing money. Investing is a totally different ball game than saving. And the way that compound interest can work, the way that stocks can grow, mutual funds, index funds can grow over long time horizons is absolutely incredible. And so the sooner... Um, people start saving and investing the better it's good if, if you say if you're a 21 year old and you happen to be getting ready to graduate and go into seminary or something like that uh you can start a roth ira today you can go right. online go to td ameritrade or start an m1 finance account and get a roth ira and just start somewhere month to month putting back a little bit of money yep. and so let's bounce this around. It wasn't your question, so and, and I may be way off on this, but one of the theories that I have about the last 20 years and the explosion of church planting is that a lot of the baby boomer pastors who had been in ministry for years, they weren't ready to retire. And so the young leaders that were coming up as youth pastors, and it sounds like you had an opposite experience here than, than what I've witnessed. It sounds like you had the mentorship and the guidance from an older, wiser pastor who was able to really coach you. But a lot of what I've seen across the country is that young leaders have been stiff-armed by older leaders. And one of my theories is that they weren't, they're just simply not ready to retire, and they've got to hold on to the position. They've got to hold on to the salary. And what I want to encourage young guys to avoid is becoming that same man in 30 years right you know what right. i mean yeah yeah that's interesting yeah I, I think your theory i think there is some of that yeah fortunately i, I didn't receive that reed jolly in santa barbara uh, mark mitchell central peninsula church here in the bay area incredible at um at training equipping giving away leadership giving away uh, influence in the pulpit and, and, and opportunity that was incredible uh but yeah hopefully one of um you know, ho- yeah. Hopefully, this new generation of leaders is uh, d- doesn't make that mistake, but but also a great way to avoid that is to just, is to keep planting. You mm-hmm. know, like I think that that's one of my hopes and dreams for our church. Like I, I want to pastor our church for a very long time, for decades. Um, my desire and what I hope God's will is is that I'm you know, here for life. Um, but part of how I want to be giving away leadership to, to younger guys over, t- you know, I'm talking about over you know, many decades yep. is to continue to raise up and train up guys and send them out to plant mm-hmm. too. So, so that's also, that's also um, a way to give away that leadership. That's good stuff. All right. Two, la- two last questions for you. What counsel, if you could sit down with yourself as well, a I got a question for you first. Okay, yeah, go for it. What's a uh, what's an M? You said open up an M one. Fi- I know, obviously Roth IRA. What's an M yeah. one? So M one Finance is just a. It's a Robinhood came out a couple years ago. Uh, app yeah. that was free trading. M one Finance is also free trading, and they've got all these okay. different. Uh, they've got all these different formats to be able to invest, and in so many different tools that can that can really help somebody that doesn't know a whole lot and so it's a free account and it's a really good tool it's called m1 finance just google it and anybody that's listening google google it and 
open an account. I mean, it's, it's just I, was, I was with Vanguard for everything investing, and I, I recently moved everything out of that and stuff. I had in Schwab, and Schwab's great. Schwab just went to zero commission trading and all that as well. But now it's all with Wells Fargo, and I'm, I'm happy at Wells Fargo. Okay. But, yeah. but I would tell that 21 year old guy, yeah, for Roth IRA, but then it's like, where do you invest that money? So, right. You know, if it's the 21 year old just figuring it out, I'd just put it in an S&P index fund. Um, exactly. Yeah. I just I would I would start there, and then over time learn individual stocks and um, study that. But it's you know for me it's a hobby. But I, I think um, guys have to think about how much yeah, how much time they want to put into into stuff like that. But it's definitely worth the time to learn investing. Yeah, and the good thing is is that earlier, and I'm I'm a novice. I, I know to put money in every single month and to watch it and. And just do a little bit of buying and selling, but I'm doing, you know, I've made some some good return on just the S and P 500 and, and those sorts of things. But for guys in their early 20s, if you, the earlier you get in on this, the more you're going to make in in you know the last five years, you know, the last 10 years. I mean, if you if you get in yeah. in that five years earlier than than you would have, uh, yeah. just do it as quick as you can and start investing Absolutely. as quick as you can. Yep. So, yep. Okay. What Absolutely. now? You're, you said you're 41. If you could go back, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, and talk to yourself as a 25 year old man, what kind of counsel would you give yourself if you could? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Like about pastoring or, or life, everything? ministry, uh, just manhood, whatever. It's oh, a God. yeah. It's that's it's an it's, wherever you want to go with this, man. Okay, well, I'll start since we're just talking finance. I'll start with that because we're just speaking to it. I didn't start really learning investing and working on that until I was maybe 32, I think. I was a good saver, but not an investor. So that's one, I'd, I'd say what we're telling guys right now, start start investing then while you're young. Um, I think I would have sought um, greater growth in self-awareness as a 25-year-old to have a better understanding of how I'm wired, um, how I come off to other people, how... Um, you know, how that impacts other people. I think I've been learning a lot in the last several years about the strengths and weaknesses and liabilities of my personality and how that can, can how that can affect people. So I would have, I would have uh, thought, you know, more of that there. Um, I think, yeah, marriage, what, what would be the big thing in marriage? And that, and well, that applies to marriage just to be a better student of, of my wife and mm-hmm. to, to, to have learned then as a 25-year-old more of, I was, we got married, um, let's see, I was 24, Taylor was 23, so I'd be about a year into marriage at that time, um, and gosh, I think we were very happy in marriage at that, a year, year and a half in, but to better understand my wife and how she's wired and what, uh, what communicates love to her, mm-hmm. which is very different than what communicates love to me, so I would have sought to get better at stuff then that I think I'm, I'm more keyed in on now. Um, gosh, I think I would have told myself to enjoy the, the journey, the ride, the process more. I'm pretty impatient. I want things done yesterday. (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's some strengths to that as a leader, you know, and things you can kind of get done. But I think I would have enjoyed the, the process a little bit more. Like, Hey, let me just enjoy this season as a youth pastor more. I, I loved it. I loved it. But I know in my final year or so there, I was just so anxious to and excited to finish seminary and to move on to the next thing. Mm. Where I would have said, you know, I could 
I've got these goals and God's at work and I can trust him and let me just enjoy today, enjoy this season, enjoy this year more. So um, enjoying each season of okay. marriage and parenting and uh, the church. My, my oldest son is 13 now and that's crazy to me. I don't know how that happened. And <laughs> I've got five years left with him in the home and I'm, I'm like, man, I, there's so much I want to teach him and do with him and enjoy with him. I'm like, what? It's just like last night he was seven, and how did how's he already thirteen? So um, yeah, just enjoying each each day okay. and the season God has you in. That's good. You'll you'll think here, you know, twenty minutes about fifteen more things that you could have thought of. I'm sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would be like. But all right, let's set you up just to you know praise the grace of Jesus here. Why why does just Justin Buzzard? Why do you love Jesus so much? Oh. Uh, He's amazing because he, Jesus fascinates me because uh, he saved me and I don't deserve it. And uh, I just I feel like every year of life I become more aware of, oh, my gosh, like I didn't realize I was that um, that messed up. And, and you love me unconditionally and passionately and, uh, because, man, because he came to give us life. It was life to the fullest. I often am thinking about John ten ten, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I'm like right as we're doing this. I'm looking out around my neighborhood, and I'm like, I don't know how um, neighbors, friends, people like how how you can live a day of life without knowing Jesus, mm-hmm. without without having the center core of your life be built around a relationship with Him, His presence, His love. Uh, the security he brings without knowing that you have a future, um, you have an eternal future of joy uh, and fresh discovery and adventure um, with him and, and, and his heavenly kingdom. Um, with the, He's given us, you know, he gives us a relationship with his people. Yeah, I, everything. He, he's, he's everything. He's life. Uh, there's nothing else I want my life to be about than knowing him more and making him known. That's good. That's so good. Well, for those who want a little bit more more information about you, maybe want to find your book or books, where could they go to find out more about your ministry, church, all that stuff? Yeah, we well, can go to if you Google Garden City Church, Silicon Valley, you'll find our, our church, our church website. Um, my website is justinbuzzard.net, and you can go there, and that can lead you to my books. They're all on Amazon. Uh, you can subscribe to my website there. I try once a week-ish to get out a different article uh, to people, and that can also point you to you know, social media. And Instagram, I'm still new to Instagram. I don't know if I like it or not, but Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. I haven't been on Twitter much lately, but... Um, yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's where to find me, justinbuzzard.net. Good deal. Well, I tell you what, Twitter is a big heaping pile of trash on fire all the time, so you're not missing much there. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting that too. Yeah, and Instagram's kind of, kind of fun. It is, it is. It is. How much you like it, but I'm, I'm on there at Justin Buzzard Life. There's someone else took the name Justin Buzzard on Instagram, so Uh-oh. I had to add life okay. to the name. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Justin, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, Jared. Thanks for what you're doing. This is worthy, good work to encourage and help and equip and challenge pastors. Keep doing it. And uh, pastor, everyone is listening, but especially the pastors. Thanks for what you guys do. You're making a you're making an impact, and God's at work even when you can't see it, and even on those super hard days and those days where you want to quit or doubt and wonder if you're making an impact. Um, 
thanks for thanks for giving your life to to serve the local church and God bless you and care for you and will reward you. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.